Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector, and I'll be your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, this podcast exists to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it works. In each episode, a different guest comes on asking me three questions. We have about a 10-minute conversation about each of them. I hopefully give them good answers that you will also find useful as you try to grow your audience and business. And that's about it. Try to keep it quick, cut right to the chase, and give you a lot of actionable tips that you can put to use. Today, my guest is Larry Cornett. Larry is a psychologist turned personal coach for ambitious professionals seeking to level up their career, business, and life. He has a decades-long background in Silicon Valley tech, leadership, startups, and entrepreneurship. He's also the creator of the Invincible Career Newsletter, great name, podcast, and coaching service. You can find him on Twitter at Cornett, C-O-R-N-E-T-T. So with that in mind, hey, Larry, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great. I'm excited to talk to you, not only because of your questions, but I also have to say for anyone listening or watching, they should check you out because wherever it is that you live seems to be like the most beautiful place on yeah. earth. <laughs> because because yeah. I always see photos of you out for, out for walks and whatever you're doing. And I'm like, wow, that looks pretty nice and relaxing. Yeah. We're, we're about an hour from South Lake Tahoe. So it's really pretty. Yeah. We're lucky. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty nice. So I know that you've got a few questions today. We're going to talk yes. a little bit about newsletters. We're going to talk a little bit about marketing, paid versus organic marketing. And then you're also going to get me to reveal some numbers about my own <laughs> business and, and how I actually make money in this thing. So let's get That's started right. with the, the first question. What's the first thing you want to know? So the first thing I want to know, which is kind of a strange question, but how do I persuade people to subscribe to my newsletter who can also read the same content online because I use Substack and ConvertKit does this too, where it creates a nice archive of your newsletter online. So it's kind of like a blog. And so all that content's online. Obviously I use social media and LinkedIn to promote it saying, Hey, go check out my most recent newsletter article. And then people do, but then they don't bother subscribing to the email because they can always read it online. So I've been struggling with this. So I want to know how do I convince people? Yeah, you should subscribe to the email too. Sure. First I'll say, what's the saying? There are no strange questions, only strange people. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, so something like that. So yeah, so this is a common, this is a common question. And also for reference for my newsletter, I also, I'm not on Substack, but I also publish all of the issues on my website. Mm -hmm. I actually highly recommend that people do that for a lot of reasons. Number one, I think it's a great reference point. Number two, for people to, who are new to you to be able to go back and, and look at them. The other mm -hmm. thing is, depending how you do it, it can get you traffic through SEO and other stuff. Right. And also people are more likely to share it. They're more likely to share from a, from a website than they are forward an email in their, in their inbox. Obviously, there's no way for them to actually post that on social anyway. So I'll start with that because I think there are some people who are not sure if they should only be putting it in people's inbox. Mm -hmm. So I think you're doing the right thing there. Let me ask you a question. You as a newsletter reader and consumer. Are there newsletters that you don't subscribe to, but read regularly on their website? 
Yeah, there probably are. I would say because Substack has created that reader experience mm -hmm. and, and they made it a lot easier with an app that they've recently developed. And so there are some that you know, I know that they put out good content mm -hmm. in my inbox as a newsletter writer. I subscribe to so many things. So it's like right. I, it, stuff gets lost in my inbox. So it's like yeah. sometimes I don't even bother subscribing because I'll just mm -hmm. go to my, my Substack inbox and, and read there. So do you go, you go there sporadically or you go when you happen to see that they shared something or you're sort of Substack reader. So you're Substack reader. You're not subscribed to it. You're just seeing it in the Substack reader. Yeah. They'll, they'll show it in the list and then you can also see it recommended. Gotcha. And I do follow, you know, we all kind of follow each other on social media too. Mm -hmm. So they'll say, oh, I just wrote this article about this. Got and it. I'll go check it out. Um, and so your concern is that there's going to be, you're going to have subscribers that do what you do. Yes. <laughs> basically that makes exactly. sense so okay so let me ask you another question do you have newsletters that you love that you don't subscribe to i'd say there's a few there's a few and mainly because they're really long form mm -hmm. so it's kind of funny it's like they're more like long articles almost like the atlantic <laughs> you know these really right. long articles but trying to consume love... those in my inbox doesn't work gotcha so that's but but so do you but you don't feel clearly you haven't subscribed to them. So on some level, you're not worried about missing something great. You feel like you're still going to see it. I think so, because I know okay. it's all there. And so I'll go and I'll look at their archive and I'll be like, oh, that looks interesting. And I'll, I treat it right. like I treat media, uh, right? which is you'll go and scan and go, oh, that looks interesting. I'll go right. read it. Yeah. So I would. So, okay. So I would argue that in most cases, the Substack reader is a little bit of a different scenario because mm -hmm. maybe you feel like you're. You're sort of subscribed. You're not subscribed maybe by email, but you're sort of subscribed, right. like following, you're, okay. you're, you're following them. You're seeing it in, in, in your feed, whatever. But I would argue that in most cases, if people love a newsletter, find it really valuable, they don't want to miss whatever that person is sharing next, they're going to subscribe. I think mm -hmm. the people, the idea that someone in most cases, the idea that someone is going to not subscribe and just so oh, I'll see it if I happen to see it or check it out when I check it out. To me, mm -hmm. it's an indication that they don't love it. They like it. Or it's not a must. Yeah. It's not maybe a better way to put it is it's not a must read. It's a, right. oh, I, yeah. I like that. Yeah. And so I think part of the part of the question here is just sort of reframing in your mm -hmm. own mind. You know, like to me, I said, so your real question is, how do I make people not want to miss it? How do I make my yeah, news? That's a good. Right, how yeah. do I make my newsletter a must read? I and they want. I. It's weird to say you want them to be afraid, but you want them to say like, I want to make sure I don't miss anything sure. that Larry says. Yeah. Right? How yeah. do you go yeah. from I like his stuff, it's good, I follow him, I'll see it if I see it, to I want to make mm -hmm. sure I don't mm -hmm. miss that. And if you yeah. think about even with stuff that you are subscribed to, because I'm like you, I'm subscribed to a ton of newsletters. If you think about your decision making within your inbox, I have tons of newsletters that I don't open or that I yeah, open that's sporadically. True. That's true. But yeah. there are probably some that even within your inbox, you're like, I open, like when I see that one, I almost always open it, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I think people don't think about a lot when it comes to newsletters is they think that it's almost binary, right? That it's like, I want to get someone to subscribe or not. But yeah. I actually think that getting people to subscribe, what you're really trying to do 
is I want to be one of people's top three or five, 10 mm-hmm. at most, but even that is high, right? Yeah. I want to be one of their favorite newsletters, not just one of the many that they subscribe to. I want to right. be one of the ones that they're afraid to miss that they're going to open. Mm-hmm. So I would look at it from that standpoint, not, because it's not just that they subscribe to you. Ultimately, you're trying to be that important or that I mm-hmm. can't, I don't want to miss Larry's stuff okay. versus the other of worrying about people. Because I would argue that in most cases, not all, but in most cases, if someone's like, I don't need to subscribe, I'll, I follow Larry on social and I'll see it if I see it. I would Great. argue that the actual issue is they're not connected enough to the newsletter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or that they're not, they don't love it mm-hmm. enough. They just sort of like it. And again, I think it's really helpful to always think about this from yourself as a user and think mm-hmm. about what are the ones that I feel like I had to give them my email address and what are the ones yeah. that I felt like yeah. I didn't and why. And of the ones that I've given my email address, what is it about those that I feel like I have to open them or always open them all the time? So I think by yeah. studying your own behavior, that might help you a little bit figure That's out how to how to kind of approach it. The other yeah, thing I would I like say, that. the other thing I would say is in, well, two things here. So one is most people aren't really paying attention in general. So you're aware, you're looking at yeah. it. <laughs> I know that's a bold <laughs> statement to make, but you're oh, looking yeah, at everybody's it. Everybody's busy. Yeah. Right. You're looking at it and going, I'm worried that by having these archives out there, people are going to realize I don't need to subscribe to Larry's thing because I can just check mm-hmm. the archives and I'll whatever. Mm-hmm. People aren't thinking it through that much on either side. They're just sort of thinking mm-hmm. this thing's interesting and I want to get it or right. I don't or whatever. They're not trying to beat the system by like cleaning up their, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I don't have to give them my email and I can still go read it every time for freeze, you know. <laughs> and by the way, if they are actually consistently doing that, who cares? Like my yeah, argument is that, that either. Right. Yeah. My <laughs> argument is that they're not consistently doing that. And that's why you want right. the you want the email address. People just, you know, they they forget whatever. But the other thing I would say is my guess is, and I don't know everything you're doing to promote, but my guess is, and I think you referenced this actually, one of the, one of the, I don't want to call it mistakes, but one of the missed opportunities I think is most people promote their newsletter after the issue comes out. So they go, just wrote a new issue. Here it is. Check it out. If you like it, subscribe, blah, 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 blah. Mm. The problem is that doesn't actually incentivize someone to subscribe because they already got what they want. They're like, oh, that sounds interesting. (laughs) There's the link. Yeah. Right. If you promote in advance, by the way, I think you should do both. I'm not saying this is an either or, but if you promote in advance, that will get you way more subscribers than promoting after. So Mm -hmm. if you say, hey, on Wednesday, I'm sending out this, my my newsletter's coming out with X, Y, and Z thing. Sign up here to make sure you don't miss it. And I would actually, that phrase I think can be helpful. Not Mm -hmm. to sign up here if you want it, but make sure, sign up here to make sure you don't miss it. Now there's an incentive for someone to actually give you their email address because they are interested in that and they do want to get that thing and they don't trust themselves to remember on Wednesday that you've put the thing out or they don't trust the algorithm to show you your tweet when you post it Mm -hmm. or whatever. So promoting in advance, I highly, highly recommend 
Yeah, if you look at good. there's a lot of there's a lot of people that do this really well. I'm seeing more and more of it. Justin Welsh is one of them. I don't know if you follow him no. on Twitter. <laughs> he does a great job teasing what's coming in his issue. Mm. So I would look at that, and I think uh, I'm gonna have to look up, but I think I. I think I shared something in my newsletter. I'll find it and we'll add it to the show notes if I'm not making this up. But I think I shared something that had examples from a bunch of people about how they promote their newsletter on social. And those pre-promotion things will make a huge difference for you. I like that. Okay. Okay. Cool. That's good. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. What is the next thing you want to know? Next thing. So the next thing I want to know is how you personally decide how are you going to invest kind of your, your time and money in paid advertising versus organic marketing? So how do you balance that? Because you know, I've done some advertising and mm -hmm. as a lot of people discovered, it can be a bit of a black hole mm -hmm. take as much as you give it. So how do you think about that? So let me ask you, what advertising have you tried so far? Um, so I have done almost everything. So I've done Google <laughs> advertising, which has done reasonably well. Mm -hmm. Some Facebook advertising, LinkedIn, super mm -hmm. expensive. <laughs> yeah. LinkedIn was not a good investment. Done some yeah. Twitter advertising and it's hit or mm -hmm. miss. Yeah. Where sometimes it's been successful, other times it's like it just didn't work. And have you been promoting your newsletter or your services? Your what have, what were you promoting with the ads? Most recently the newsletter. I used to promote the services, but I'm really trying to grow the newsletter now because I think yeah. that's the top of my marketing funnel. Yeah. So I'll promote like a specific edition that's about yep. a topic, you know, like, you know, how to find a great new job or how to ask your boss for a right. promotion, that kind of thing. Okay. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two answers here, right? So I'm going to give you the textbook answer of what it should be. And then I'll give you the truth because I don't exactly live up okay. to the textbook answer, even though, I, even though I should. So the, the, and I'll talk about newsletters, but it's actually applicable to anything, right? Applicable to products mm -hmm. or services or consulting or anything. The textbook answer is this. Anytime you're going to run any kind of advertising, you should know your numbers. So you should mm -hmm. know the lifetime value of a customer, right. a newsletter subscriber, even a free newsletter subscriber. You should know what that is worth to you. Once you know what mm -hmm. that is worth to you, you then know what you're willing, what your customer acquisition cost is, what you're willing to pay to get that. Then you're just whatever ads you're running, Facebook and other newsletters, whatever, you're just trying to make the math work. Make the math work and, and get better at it. Lower those acquisition costs. Yeah. Whatever. If you make the math work, you theoretically should just be spending more and more money. Because, because it's profitable yeah. <laughs> and it's more than paying for itself. And if you can crack that code where it costs you a dollar to get a customer and that customer is worth a hundred dollars, you would be a fool for not yeah. spending as much money buy ads all day right, yeah. as much yeah. as you possibly can. When you get into newsletter territory and especially free newsletter territory, where mm -hmm. the monetization is down the road and maybe it's different, those calculations become more complicated. They still right. certainly can and should be done. Again, this is why I'm giving the, the textbook answer, right? The textbook <laughs> answer is you should be figuring that out and that's gonna define for you how much you're spending mm -hmm. and how much versus how much you're doing organic and all of that. 
and you're okay. experimenting until you can crack it. And if you can crack it, great, step on the gas. And if you can't crack it, keep experimenting with a little bit and, you know, you're mainly organic, et cetera. Sure. Or maybe you have a problem with your product. You know, there's a lot of variables that they get yeah. in there. That's the, that's the textbook. The truth is I've tried to do some of that math. You know, my, so my newsletter is free. I make money from a variety of sources, ads in the newsletter, paid info mm -hmm. products and consulting. So right. the, I sort of at a very basic level, total that up. And it's also, it fluctuates, right? Some months are better than others and, and whatever. So, but yeah. I've kind of ballparked that to sort of go, all right, well, roughly this much for a subscriber mm -hmm. makes sense mm -hmm. for me to a point that I feel like I can justify it. It's far from exact. Sure. It gives me sort of some ballpark or at least something okay. to aim for. That number has shifted over time, as has my business. I can only take on so many consulting clients. I have a pretty yeah. steady stream of leads. Like there's a lot of variables that go into this. It's a little different if you're selling a product where it's like maybe an infinite, it infinitely scales. You sure. know, my biggest mm -hmm. revenue driver is consulting that doesn't infinitely scale. So, and I haven't yeah. actually done, it's funny in thinking about your question, I was also like, you know what? I actually haven't done much advertising for my products. I probably should because those are more, that's a more direct yeah. calculation. So I may be doing that soon. My experience with most of what I've done is organic, but my experience with paid is I've been running my newsletter for about six years now. In the early days, I'd say those first couple years, I was running Facebook ads a decent amount to help me grow in the beginning. Then uh, prices got more expensive. I got more and more annoyed with just Facebook in general and don't love giving them my money. <laughs> So I sort of scaled yeah. way back on that and really didn't run ads for a few years. It's been a little while okay. since I've done those. I've experimented with Twitter ads often. I've never been able to get them to really work. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. I love Twitter as a platform, but haven't really been able to crack it. I haven't done LinkedIn, but I know it from anyone I've talked to that's done LinkedIn. It's crazy expensive. So I'm not yeah. surprised to hear you say that. I have bought ads and newsletters and love those in general. Mm -hmm. They can be hit or miss, depending on the newsletter, depending on a lot of factors. I think there are a lot that are overpriced. There are also some that are underpriced. I know from mm. my own newsletter that people have gotten a lot of value from ads in mine. I know they work. And so there are some newsletters that I have bought in and do continue to buy in semi, somewhere between sporadically and semi-regularly. That yeah. is, and again, all this depends a lot on who you're trying to go after or whatever, but that is right now the, the sort of bulk or the majority of any paid that I'm running, which again, fluctuates. Mm -hmm. It's not unusual for me to spend a couple thousand one month and then spend nothing the next. Like I've been very sort of sure yeah. all, all over the map with it. But newsletters, I think at the moment are sort of the best investment, especially if you're trying to grow a newsletter. And you can find the right, the right audience and, and market fit. The other thing I would say is, and these don't cost money, but cross promotions have been really successful. Mm -hmm. If you can find people, especially if you have an audience and you can find people that it fits, even if they don't have a huge audience, 
They cost nothing other than a little people, a couple of emails back and forth. Right. And so I think that's a really good, it's technically organic, but I think really effective. And I've had a lot of success with those. So I think to, to kind of sum it up, I mean, my big takeaway is you're right that it can be a black hole. It really shouldn't be though. And I do think even if you don't do <laughs> the specific math of lifetime value, and even if it is a little fuzzy, having some general idea of what you're comfortable paying and tracking it and testing with different things to sort of get engaged like what really is good or bad or, or otherwise, you know, the way I've, I've always felt about it, you know, years ago when I was running Facebook ads, I was getting subscribers for at some point as low as like 40 cents a subscriber, which was oh, that's great. those days yeah. I think are long gone. Right. So, you know, now I feel like if I can get subscribers for $2 a subscriber or less, I feel pretty good about it. Like that's my sort of rough okay. gauge. But again, Got it. Got it. Okay. so, but I think for you and everyone's business is different, like coming up with some general number that allows you to gauge, was this worth it or not? Because otherwise, if you don't have any, if you don't have any hint of what you're looking for, that's when it really becomes a black hole. And they're like, I don't know whether I should that's do true. more true. or less or, <laughs> or what. So even if you're wrong, picking, yeah. picking a target number and going, this is what I'm <laughs> aiming for, gives you a start. Got it. Cool. So what okay. is the third thing you want to know? All right. So you kind of spoke a little to it, but I want to know how you've defined your revenue mix of the consulting that you do, obviously the advertising, your newsletter, you have digital downloads, you know, kind of the mix of active versus passive income yep. streams, that sort cool. of. So let me start with, I don't believe there's any such thing as passive income. So I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that up. I, I hate that phrase and I don't think about it that way. It's funny. I say, I say all the time, it takes a lot of activity to generate passive in <laughs> income. So I don't think about it like that. I do have multiple revenue streams and the way that I have thought about it is consulting revenue and non-consulting revenue. And what that really means mm -hmm. for me, and I think, I think this is actually even more applicable for people who may not do consulting or whatever services, you can think about it as services and products, but really to me, it's mm -hmm. scalable versus non-scalable. So for, my, for me, my yep. consulting revenue is not, it's not that it, I call it non-scalable because I can only take on so many clients. I can only charge mm -hmm. so much. There's a, there's a ceiling, right? So it can scale to a yeah. certain point, but ultimately it can't scale infinitely. What I consider scale and scalable revenue is the non-consulting stuff. So it's a product, it's ads in my newsletters. In a hypothetical world, that could be infinitely scalable. If I create a course, right. I can sell that to 8 million people in, in, in theory, right? Right. I, right. you know, I'd like to, but, uh, so, <laughs> so that's how I think about it. And so for me, my business, and again, I've been sort of full-time independent creator for about six years now. And I would say for the first four or so of those years, three and a half or four years, I would say that 90 to 95% of my revenue was coming from consulting and five to 10% mm -hmm, mm -hmm. was coming from info products or other stuff. So 90% right. was what I would consider non-scalable and it was going well and I was having success, but I was starting to see, I can only do 
so much of this, right? And that if I really want to sort of go bigger, quote unquote, bigger, both in terms of helping more people, earning more revenue, I was going to have to build out the sort of scalable side. So I would say about two, two and a half years ago, I made a real, made it a real priority to grow that and figure out that's when I introduced ads in my newsletter. That's when I started dabbling more with info products and subscription products. And that has evolved over very, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not like you just say, all right, let's do that. The first thing works. Like there have been, there have been changes (laughs) and evolutions, but it has been a very deliberate shift to try to, to try to balance that out. So now I would say it it varies a bit month to month, but in general, I'd say I'm about 65% consulting revenue and 35% non-consulting revenue or scalable revenue. That's good. Which has been fantastic. And the other thing that has happened as that has happened is on the consulting side, it has allowed me to work with fewer clients. It has allowed me to charge higher rates. Mm -hmm. So not only has it helped from a sort of balance standpoint, it's actually made the consulting side quote unquote better. I can be more selective. I can charge more money because I have this Mm -hmm. other revenue stream that's allowing me to sort of be pickier on that other side. So I strongly recommend it for lots of people, even if you want to sort of just be on the services consulting side, having those other revenue streams can help make that help you give you more freedom to do it the way you, you want to do it. So I thought to answer this question, I'd sort of with that background, run you through a few things and a few numbers here. I know everyone everyone loves to, to hear the numbers and, Hear how it works, right? So sure. a couple of things. So first of all, on the consulting side, the majority of my consulting is one-off short-term projects, not ongoing retainer month to month. I have some, I have a couple of those, mm-hmm. but for the most part, it's either one-off clarity calls or four to six week engagements, typically. A lot of people would do it differently. That's how I've sort of chosen to to do it. On the product side, there's basically really two, well, I'll say three, but there's two that are driving the majority of my non-consulting revenue. So one is, and not in any particular order, but one is ads in my newsletter, which Mm -hmm. went from no ads for four years of writing a newsletter and now having ads, (laughs) currently charged $200 an ad and sell out basically five a week, that price is going to go up soon. So that has turned into a, a solid That's revenue great. stream out of nowhere and <laughs> completely scalable because there's really no additional work beyond you know me writing the newsletter. And then the other is my paid info product called Skill Sessions, which are one hour video workshops once every two months on a specific topic. Those are available both as an annual subscription for $150 a year or as for individual purchase. So you can buy one session for $50 or for $150, you get six a year plus whatever's in the archive. So it's a a pretty good deal. Speaking of which, if anyone's hearing this and wants to check it out, you can go to (laughs) joshspector.com slash sessions to learn more about those. Then I have a newsletter accelerator course, which I created a year or two ago. Well, actually, I created a few years ago and I updated it a year or so ago. I don't do much to actively promote that now, but it is available on an ongoing basis. So that brings in some money, but that's sort of a distant third. So to give you an idea, also the, the, 
the the amount I earn from these can definitely fluctuate month to month. So for example, ads in my newsletter, I had six times more sales in February than I did this month because, wow. but what happens is people book way out in advance. So at a certain point, you get so mm-hmm. far out in advance that the sales slow down and then, then you have a spike. Right. Cause like if someone were to buy now, they're not going to get it for a couple months, you know, a few months or whatever. So that fluctuates and as does my promotion of it, because I'm sold out regularly and far in advance, I don't promote it that much. And then once in a while, when I want to give it a boost, I promote it and and it jumps. So it's steady income, but it fluctuates in terms of when those purchases are happening. The same thing with my skill sessions. So besides new subscriptions, I have people who renew, right? The annual subscription. So some months there are more renewals than others, just because more people subscribed that month a year ago than whatever. So that can Mm -hmm. fluctuate as well, right? So last month I had two times more renewals than this month, but Mm. that's not a based on a percentage, just based on more people subscribed last June than subscribed last July. So these numbers are steady, but they'll fluctuate. So to give you an idea last month of how it all broke down, so 67% of my revenue came from consulting, 33% from products and subscriptions. Of the products and subscription revenue, 25% of it was new skill session subscribers. 21% was individual purchases of skill sessions. So this is huge. A lot of people that sell subscription content products don't make those products available individually. And I think they're leaving a lot of money on the table, right. um, clearly. Yeah. Right, it, you know, <laughs> and so, and also those individual purchases, a lot of times turn into, when someone buys one of my individual ones, I didn't send them an offer and say, hey, I'll refund it if you want to upgrade to the full subscription. So the individual right. purchases That's also good. lead to full subscriptions. 20% of the product revenue came from my newsletter ads. came from renewals of of the skill session subscribers. So again, this is compounding effect, right? So next year, hopefully I should have even more renewals because I have three years worth of renewals. That's right. And then 10% came from newsletter course sales. Again, that's, I don't do much to promote it, but it's there and people, you know, people find it. So the three sort of, you know, three kind of big takeaways for this. One is, you know, I recommend that you monetize your product and your expertise in multiple ways. If you look at me, I have consulting, I have advertising, I have a subscription info product and individual purchase of of the info product, right? That has, I think that winds up getting me much more than if it was like, I just had one product and one consulting thing. The second is that subscription revenue compounds. You know, if your product is valuable enough for people to renew it again. So if I look at like last month, you know, 20% of my product revenue was renewals from a year ago. So that is a big deal. And if I, as I look forward, actually from the past two years. So, but if I look forward two, three years in the future, that number should continue to to grow so there's you know keeping in mind especially when you start out i think sometimes people kind of get discouraged and go oh but i only got a couple people to take it yeah but if those people paid you you know my subscription is 150 dollars. so if 10 people buy a subscription and that's 
$1,500 this month. Well, it's six or seven of them renew next year on top of another 10. <laughs> and then a year, like just the compounding effect really adds up. And then the third thing, again, like I said before, I think if you're not making subscription products, at least some piece of them available for an individual purchase, I think you're leaving money on the table. And I think it's a great way to get yeah. people in. You know, there are people who look at my thing and they go, oh, I don't know that I want to commit to $150 for a year. I kind of just want that one, you know, and again, a lot of those people buy and then upgrade to the full subscription. And maybe they did just want that one. Maybe they just wanted to learn how to grow their newsletter and that's all they care about. So they're not going to buy a subscription, mm -hmm. but they will pay 50 bucks to buy that one. And, and in buying that one, they might tell other people about it. So like, there's a lot of advantages that's right. to the yeah. individual sales. Yeah. And that's my, that's my crash course and how I earn money. And, and actually I'll be <laughs> adding, you know, this podcast, hopefully if it continues to go well, we'll eventually have some sort of sponsor relationship to it. So this will become another, right. another okay. revenue stream. And to be honest, that also was one of the reasons that I started it, seeing what had happened with my newsletter after years of not running ads and then realizing, oh, this is actually really valuable. made me realize, okay, well, I, you know, a podcast could be monetized in addition to being helpful to my audience. Speaking of which, hopefully this yeah. was helpful yeah. to you. Cool. Cool. Absolutely. No, Great. This is fantastic. So tell Thank people you. Uh, if they want to know more about you, where they should go and what they should do and how they can get your newsletter and all that stuff. Sure. Thank you. So my newsletter is at newsletter.invinciblecareer.com. That's where you can read more about how to grow your career, get a better job, get promoted, all that good stuff. And I'm pretty active on Twitter. Like Josh, I'm at Cornette, C-O-R-N-E-T-T. -T. Cool. And as far as my stuff, first of all, I want to thank everybody that has been rating and reviewing the show on Apple and Spotify and everywhere else and sharing it on Twitter and LinkedIn. I really, really appreciate it. It's been awesome. If you don't already get my newsletter, please do for theinterested.com slash subscribe. You can learn more about the skill sessions at joshspector.com slash sessions. If you would like to be a part of my consulting revenue, you can hire me for a coaching call, for a coaching call or a custom strategy, go to joshspector.com slash consulting to learn more about that. I'm on Twitter, helping people answering questions all day at Jay Spector. And you can actually be a guest on this podcast. If you have three good questions yourself, just go to joshspector.com slash questions. You can apply there. And that is about it. Larry, thank you so much for your questions. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I appreciate your interest. And I will see you next week.